Hello and welcome to Remotely Working, the podcast where we discuss productivity, intentional living, health, and leadership for remote workers, with the goal of helping you integrate your life and work well. My name is Justin DeRose, your host and the founder of Effective Remote Work. Today's guest is Matt Ragland. Matt is a YouTuber and productivity coach who shows you how to get your head out of your apps and focus on what matters. His ACE method has helped thousands of people create awareness, clarity, and execution on their goals and habits. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee with his wife and two sons. We have a great conversation for you today about analog tools, working from home with kids, and even a little bit of discussion about journaling. Stick around to the end of the episode for that. For now, let's get into the conversation. Well, Matt, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Justin. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I thought you would be a great guest to have to talk about things like working from home and having kids at home and all that fun stuff. You just put out a YouTube video recently about that exact topic, and that's actually what prompted me to reach out to you. And I thought, hey, he's got some really great insights. Let's get him on the show and talk about it. But for those who don't know who you are, can you give a little bit of background about yourself and what kind of work you do and the type of things that you're doing right now? Of course. So I am the director of creator success at Podia. It's an online platform for creators to host and sell their online courses, digital downloads, memberships, and now webinars. Also, we also uh, just, yeah, have been, I mean, (laughs) kind of growing like crazy recently with everything that's been happening in the world. So that has been fun and interesting. And then on the side, even though it has been like busier and more exciting also, I also have a YouTube channel and an email list. And so kind of a side hustle business around productivity and analog thinking, uh, using a bullet journal mostly, but also getting into more like mindfulness and paying attention to your time and focus and how like all that combines together to help you be the most productive you can be. That's awesome. I was actually going to ask you um, while we're on the show here today, um, I've gotten into the bullet journal and partly thanks to your videos uh, about a year ago. And I was wondering what first drew you to analog productivity? The big thing for me is I find myself so easily distracted online, even though I spend really the majority of my day online. I mean, I've worked remotely for five years now as a freelancer before that. And so I'm used to being online, but I just found when it came to brainstorming, planning, and the to-do items of each day, that whenever I would use like a different app or, you know, you know, productivity, yeah, productivity service, I would just too often get distracted, even like just with other things that might be open on my computer or notifications and uh, a bullet journal or any kind of kind of plan, you know, planner, like the full focus planner, the self journal are both uh, good, like notebook planner options also. But the kind of single task nature of it, of just having the notebook in front of me, nothing else to distract me, I found really kickstarted my productivity and help me stay more focused throughout the day. Yeah, I've actually found the the same to be true for myself with the bullet journal. That was part of the reason why I got so interested in analog productivity. I've used OmniFocus and other tools and I still do to some degree. Uh, but primarily my my day planning and stuff happens on paper and I I found the exact same thing where it's just I I there's so I I can focus so much better 
when I'm writing it on a paper. There's just something with having a physical space to do that in versus having some nebulous database somewhere that holds all of these things. Because not only, like you said, you can get distracted by all the other things that are possible on that digital screen, you can also get distracted by all the millions of other things that you have listed in your task manager. Uh, you know, right. It's really difficult to nail down your priorities at that point. Right, absolutely. And yeah, it was a similar thing for me. The other piece that I found that a lot of people kind of get stuck on is they're like, well, how are you going you know, to remember what you did? Or like, how are you going to capture like ongoing tasks? Uh, over time. And what I found is that a lot of the things that I do every day, uh, I don't necessarily worry about going back and checking on them with the, you know, like with the exception of doing a weekly review of like, okay, what didn't I get done? How can I change uh, going into the next week is like, I don't, you know, necessarily need to go back and look at what my to-do list was on March 11th. And a lot of times that's one of the reasons people use <laughs> for, uh, for digital apps is like, oh, well, it's so easy to recall. Sometimes tasks and you know notes and things do need to be recalled. But I found for the most part, my to-do list for the day can pretty much be discarded <laughs> the very the very next day. And if that's if paper is the thing that helps keep me more productive and focused, then it's fine if I don't have quite as like quick or expansive of like data collection recollection. That's actually one of the things that's really beneficial about paper is that it kind of all that extra stuff just kind of sloughs off over time. You don't have to worry about it anymore. I mean, I, I have found that too with it, but it's also really nice. I just the physicality of being able to flip through pages yep. and get like a spa that. that spatial context. I know for me, I'm such a visual person and I would remember reading in textbooks in high school and, and stuff. And I could rem recall things from like where they were on the page. And whenever I moved into something digital, that just went away. There was just, it, it was harder for me to remember things. So even if I have something written down that I haven't completed yet or that I want to remember, it, it just locks in my brain a little bit better because there's that physical connection with it. Now, I know that you mentioned that you work for Podia uh, and you've had some remote jobs previously. How did you get started working remotely? What was the driver for making that decision? It's a good question. It was something when I moved from Asheville to Nashville, where we live now, I had started looking at remote companies. This was in 2013. And I went through an interview process with Buffer. And just going through that and kind of understanding how they work and how they empower each other and give each other space to work because you're not in an office together. I thought that was really interesting, and I thought that it was going to most likely be the way that a lot of the world shifted, and especially tech companies, uh, technology companies, would you know continue shifting into remote work, and that's certainly ended up being the case. I didn't become a full-time remote worker until August of 2015, when I started doing some contract work for a couple of tech companies, and then in October of 2015 is when I started working at ConvertKit, which is a fully remote, fully distributed company. And I do think that that is an important, 
an important piece of a healthy remote work environment is for the most part being a being remote first rather than like, okay, we have an office and pretty much everyone is in the office, but we allow some remote work if you're a good fit. That that can still be kind of tough. I've been in a couple of companies and situations where uh, remote was allowed <laughs> rather than the like the norm for people. And you just kind of end up missing, missing things because like so much of the in-person experience is still like so valuable and that's where things happen. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I do like (laughs) often miss the like face to face that comes with like being in an office and being around people. But, uh, that's when, that's when I started October, 2015 full-time and been full-time remote since then. I used to work in a corporate environment, actually, where that was the case. I worked for a small branch office of a bigger company within the state of Minnesota. And that was my my experience, too. I was kind of way out in the boonies compared to everybody living and working in, at headquarters and missed out on a lot of stuff. I learned a lot about working remotely and driving myself and making sure that I was you know, staying on task, that's where a lot of the, my interest in productivity came from, actually. But I fully agree that culture is what makes remote work work. It's not the fact that you're offering this perk or benefit uh, to people to say, yeah, you just go home a couple days a week or you can work from home. That's fine. Everybody else will be around here. We're going to keep this synchronous culture going. You're just going to join in from wherever you want to. But having that flexible culture that it comes with more asynchronous remote work is really what makes it jive for people. Now, I know in the video that you did, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that you have two young kids at home. I've got three kids, four and under as well. <laughs> uh, and yeah. I, I recall you saying that you've taken care of them at times while working. Is that right? Yes, probably more as many people with similar age kids will probably understand there's a little bit more care than work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's goes very on. true. But yeah, now there's I kind of, you know, chop up my day and you know, just can be be content with that even though it is it is challenging and I frequently stress myself out too much, which I don't know how much that came across <laughs> in the video. I probably tried to be overly optimistic about it, but it is it it is it is tough. Yeah, what what are some of the stressors that you face when doing that? I am very professionally uh, focused and want to grow and want to do my job really well. And even though I've had the good fortune of working at two like very like open supportive companies in ConvertKit and Podia, there is still like I want to. I think one of the downsides almost of remote work is that you don't necessarily know how everyone else is doing, and it's easy for me to put a lot of pressure on myself. Of I need to be doing more. I need to be like handling more tickets, or doing more calls, or writing more articles, or putting together more videos. And that's just not always. Yeah, you know, that's not always the case. And even though, like I said, I you know. I'm able to work at a very supportive company that's never given me a hard time <laughs> about the kids at all. It's just kind of self-induced stress of, I want to do more. I totally get that. I've been running, actually, just complete honesty here. I've been running into that myself recently. I had a conversation with my boss and said, I've just been totally hitting this imposter syndrome thing super hard because I feel like I'm not doing enough. And part of it's due to the crazy season that we're in right now with the pandemic and 
extra worries and stuff. And, you know, our business is doing well. I work for Discourse, the um, uh, company that makes forum software. But, you know, it's just a weird season to be in. But additionally, I know one thing that I ran into when I first started this at this company a year ago was I kind of went through this detox phase of like, okay, I'm used to being in a synchronous culture where I'm usually getting told what to do, you know, or there's a priority that's being set by somebody else in front of me. And then coming to a company where there's more autonomy, it's a little bit more free form, very supportive, um, you know, like what you're talking about. I hit this detox phase for about six months where I was just like, am I like doing okay here? Do people like actually think that I'm doing my job? I've heard other remote workers talk about going through something like this. Is how, Did you experience this when you first started at ConvertKit or anything like that? Oh yeah, I think it's very common when you start working remotely, even when you start at a new company working remotely, because that is one of the difficult pieces of it. You know, kind of like I mentioned, you don't know how anyone else is doing. And it's also difficult in some ways to equate online activity in like the public forum, whether that is Slack or, you know, whatever else you might be using, Basecamp, you know, there are plenty of options, but it's easy to equate uh, productivity with activity online in, in these things. And so if you see someone really active on, on your chat, you know, communication tool of choice. You're like, oh man, that person must be crushing it. They're just talking about all kinds of things and they're really engaged and they're replying to every thread. But you don't know that that might be the only thing they're doing <laughs> all day. Right. Yeah. And yeah, then you're like, oh, well, they actually haven't responded to any emails, even though that's their job, or they haven't written any articles because even though that's their job. And so, and you know, at the same time, it can be difficult to stay connected if you know, if all you do is you know, respond to chat tickets or write articles all day and you don't really, um, you know, connect with other people that you work with. So there's certainly a balance of it. I think communication is key and clear communication, especially with your managers and coworkers. Uh, like, yeah, just try and I think almost for those of us who still like remember, <laughs> and there's still plenty of us, remote work is still relatively new. Remember what it's like to work in an office that, you know, when you get into, you know, you get to your computer first thing in the day, just, you know, like pop in and say, hey, hope everyone's doing good. You know, a little, little gift that you like, a little emoji to start out the day. And a dad then, joke. Yeah, a little dad joke to get get thing get things going, <laughs> and then you know just kind of saying like, "Hey, I'm you know going going to lunch," and just going with what uh, the culture that you built. Uh, if you're a manager, if you're a director, uh, a lot of a lot of that is is on you to kind of set the standard with that, and also be a listener to the people that you work with. Um, like I know sometimes it can be stress. I've I've worked. You know, I've had people that I work with and work for me. They're like, hey, it's stressful for me to say, like, do I have to say I'm going to lunch? And if I, you know, like, is there a certain, like, did, then do I have to check back in? And so the more, just the more that you communicate effectively, like, just make sure you have an open channel of communication uh, for the people that you're involved with on a daily basis. And the more that you do that, the more the culture will be built and it'll be one of like openness and transparency and support. That's so key. I mean, communication is difficult, I think, for any organization to get right. Yeah, it's it's an issue. I remember 
when I was working in corporate, I would just feel like, oh, you know, communication. We could totally do so much better there. But uh, I, I learned from somebody that communication is an issue in every organization. And it, like you're talking about, it's just setting good precedent and good culture around what communication looks like. I like to think that communication is best when you're feeling like you're over communicating. Like if you feel like you're yep. over communicating Especially just a little, little too much it's probably the right amount of communication and then you can start like as you said uh, just get into a rhythm with things and then you can kind of feel out what's enough communication what is maybe a little too much or not enough. Right. Yeah. And another piece of this, especially when you're working remotely, and this is something I touched on in the video, is it's really, really, really important to communicate with your spouse, your significant other, you know, even roommates that you're that you might be, you know, in the same whoever you're in the same house with, if that is the case, then do the same thing. Like, even though my wife knows that I'm going to be, <laughs> you know, we're all at home pretty much every day. Now she does go to work. She's a nurse. Um, but she, we talk, I like right now, I texted her you know, 30 minutes ago, or I told her earlier this morning, like, Hey, I have a podcast interview at 1030. And so the door is going to be locked and only text me for emergencies <laughs> or, you know, come running into the, come running into the room if there's an emergency. But other than that, and I also tell my four-year-old because he will, and this is one of the nice things a lot of times about working remotely is you get like a little bit, you get a lot more of those little interactions with your kids. But at the same time, I've gotten to the point where I'm like getting down on a knee and telling him like, Hey, daddy's going to lock the door. I have a call to be on and I can't be interrupted. Sometimes I can be interrupted. This is not one of those times. So it's, yeah, it's a communication art, even just in like the fam, the family unit, the family business, like it's hard to over communicate, especially, especially when it comes to your spouse <laughs> and significant other. Not that those are two separate people. <laughs> you want to make sure that you tell the significant other. <laughs> no, tell, tell your spouse, tell your significant other, the people that you're living with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it can be hard to have some of those conversations at first. I know like when I first started working from home primarily, my wife is a nurse too. And so she only works a couple of days a week. And so she's usually home a lot during the week when I'm working. Uh, back before we had kids, it was a little bit, challenging for us to figure out what all of that looked like even though I had an office and stuff just like what does the boundary look like and I was also trying to work I worked in an IT support job and so I felt like I needed to be available 100% of the time and so if she needed something I would wrestle with like eh, I'm getting taken away from work even though I wasn't necessarily doing anything at the moment uh, but there there's de there was definitely this pull to like I, I need to be focused on work in this time because I had compartmentalized all of it in that spot. Okay, this is work time. If I'm out here, then I can you know be not work time. Setting those boundaries and figuring those out can be a challenge at first if you're not used to it. But it's super important to have those ongoing open channels of communication uh, with your spouse or significant other. And like you even said with kids too, because Sometimes they don't understand like, oh, like my two-year-old daughter, usually when I come down and get a cup of coffee uh, from my office, she's like, oh, daddy's done with work. Well, no, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm just getting another cup of coffee. <laughs> but she doesn't quite understand all that. But being able to communicate those things really does help uh, try to, you know, 
create an understanding in the house of like when is work time what does work time look like and when when's play time when is time to engage yep now when i watched your video about working from home with kids it seems like you have some sense of a handle on being able to like integrate your life and work um i guess how did you figure out how to do that did and, and to create those spaces in your day to where like you have time in the morning before your kids get up and during nap time. And, and how do you stay on track during those times so that you're getting the most productive work done? It's a good question. And a lot of it comes from years of trial and error at this point. My wife and I have kind of been on, we've been on like some version of this schedule for, you know, nearly for, you know, nearly five years now. And so it's been a, yeah, it's been a work in progress, but I also kind of know at this point what kind of work takes more creative energy from me and what are things I can do kind of in fits and starts, like in replying to emails, messages, uh, customer tickets, all of those things I can do, you know, one at a time. I can do it for five minutes and then <laughs> take, take a break. I can do it for 10 minutes. I can stop in the middle of a ticket often and then pick it back up a few minutes later. And so those are things I can kind of do in the busyness of the day. Like if my boys are doing independent play and I know that I'm going to be interrupted often, like it's more common to be interrupted than to be focused during that time. So I pick those things that I know I can, you know, fit into that block of time into like the reality of what the situation is going to be like. And then at the same thing, same time, I also know like the type of work that I need to do when things are relatively quiet. That's what I can do before they wake up while they're in rest period and after they go to bed. So those are kind of my three, like I talked about in the video, those are my three main shifts before they wake up during rest period and then after they go to bed. And I really try and kind of move around my creative work, my, you know, quasi deep work <laughs> during, during those phases and everything else just kind of fills in. Yeah. I really like how you kind of, are intentional to delineate what requires more focus and then what you can kind of lightly touch here and there and step away from if you need to. It's really important, I think, when you're trying to juggle kids to be able to, you, know, you have to be able to break away pretty quickly. I mean, especially when you have young kids, you don't know if they're going to run in and get into something that they maybe shouldn't be at that time or if there's a little spat or they need something like they're hungry or you know you got a diaper blowout or something like that it, it, stuff happens and it's good to be able to break away from it and delineate that work now kind of to, to start wrapping things up here what is one resource that you feel has impacted your life most that you'd like to share with the audience today it can be a book or a course or anything like that well, other than the bullet journal, which in like we talked about at the beginning has been a huge thing for me in terms of prioritizing tasks and understanding what I need to get done and staying focused on those things. Uh, just looking at I'm actually looking at my bookshelf now to see what stands out. But a couple a couple of books that do um, any of Jason Freed and David Heimer Hansen's, if I'm pronouncing his name properly, DHH, their books on remote work, like Rework, Remote, or um, 
what was the last one? It doesn't have to be it crazy have, at work. doesn't have to be crazy at work. All of those, especially in a remote work environment, even if you're not a decision maker about like how your remote work works, these can be really good resources for just designing your own time and designing your day and also like creating little tests or experiments within within your organization about how you how you can do work and how you can kind of prompt conversations about changing the nature of remote work, especially in this time. Another one that I found, uh, two others that I found really um, interesting and helpful, one is called Make Time by Jake Knapp and John Zaraski. They were- Yeah, that's a good form- one. Yeah, that one's really good. And then uh, Daniel Pink's book, When- is a good resource for just thinking about like energy and timing and how you like kind of organize your day around the different like basically peaks and peaks and valleys of the energy that you have and understanding that those are different for everyone. And I think the state that we're in right now is a really good time to like really try and design a workday around what what type of like energy and timing works best for you and trying to communicate that with the people that you work with. Um, I will say like one other, one other resource that's really helpful, especially like, and cause I've mentioned the bullet journal, I've talked about that a lot, but I also really like the full focus planner and the best self journal as kind of guided goal based, um, yeah, notebooks that you can use uh, to get started with analog planning. I'll say for the full focus planner specifically, I really like that they just have preset sections that are that show like here are my top three tasks for the day. Here's how I start the day up with a workday workday startup routine, a workday shutdown routine. Because that's another really big piece that I realized early on, and I've been talking to a lot of people <laughs> about the last several weeks is that one of the downsides of working remotely, even though you can start to craft a schedule that works uniquely for you, is that it's really easy to never turn off work. And because you can work anytime, anywhere, you often end up working all the time everywhere. And so I really liked in the Full Focus Planner the uh, the concept that they had of a workday shutdown routine. Again, kind of mimicking what office work used to be like of, you know, you, like my brother who um, works in mortgages, he, like we were, we were talking about, it. he's like, yeah, you know, my work's here all the time. I just never, like my work computer stayed there. And when I left, I was just done <laughs> for the day. And now it right. doesn't feel that way at all. I was like, yeah, that is very challenging. And I, it's still something that I struggle with even more so like having the kids around because I'll have a lot of flexibility in my day, which is great. The downside is that I get to the end of the day and I still feel like usually again, it's more personally and personal inflicted self-inflicted pressure of, Oh, well I took like X number of breaks. And so I need to still spend X number of hours like going through stuff, even though it's 10 o'clock and I'm exhausted. I can totally relate with you on the pressure thing. And I have found actually that like startup and shutdown routines to be a really beneficial thing as well for myself. I I originally uncovered that concept out of the book, uh, Getting Results the Agile Way by J.D. Meyer. It's not necessarily the best written book. I've heard a lot of feedback on it. People saying, yeah, it's not really very easy to read, but there's some really good little nuggets and strategies you can take. And that was one of them that I took out of it. It's so nice to 
try to craft that shutdown routine. But you, I know you have to be super intentional about doing it because even when I try to do it, like I'll usually find myself at like four o'clock or four thirty, saying, "Oh, I, I got to get doing that," and then I get distracted into something else, and then pretty soon it's five o'clock and my family is expecting me to come down and help get dinner ready. And I haven't shut down. So I, my brain is basically like half on work and half on family. And it's just not, not a great situation to be in, but it's very helpful when you actually do do it. Cause like you said, when you would leave the office previously, especially before computers, you would pack your briefcase up, you know, you'd probably put your papers in there that you need to bring home. If you need to bring anything home, there would definitely your bu- be your this. business papers. Yeah, the quote, business quote, stuff. Chase, Chase Reeves, get your business papers in there. <laughs> Taking care of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you, you would pack all that up and you'd bring it home and then you'd have a commute too, which would help kind of transition you out of work mode and into home mode. And right now, working from home, you have to create that. <laughs> so that's a big deal. Yeah. One, one little thing that I did just to like touch on a final point with that is uh i am fortunate that we have like a little park uh across the street from us but (laughs) i haven't done it as much lately but often something that i would do to like have a commute after the day was over is that i do my shutdown and then the last part of it is that i'd just basically go for like a 10 minute walk (laughs) around the park and then i'd come in the front door and be like daddy's home time to, you know, time to play or time to do anything. And, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of funny and tongue, tongue in cheek, but it really does. Uh, it really does kind of work. Well, I would imagine too, that would be a really good signal for your kids that you're done with work for the day. I mean, what a better way to do that. Well, Matt, I saw that you recently launched a course on journaling before we close out today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks for bringing it up. I for me now I will I will specify to say that to me journaling the daily journaling habit is different than bullet journaling for me. Bullet journaling is all about planning and doing, and daily journaling uh, you could almost think of it more as a diary, but that for me is writing and thinking, where the bullet journal is planning and doing. And so those two are separate for me. I have separate notebooks for them, even though you can kind of combine it. But for me, journaling has become a transformational habit, uh, daily journaling over the past couple of years, because it allows me to kind of expand on my thoughts. It's actually like a form of therapy to me. And the reason that I created this course is that I saw over and over again that journaling was something that a lot of people wanted to start but often had trouble sticking with the habit because they didn't know what to write about or didn't know how to find the time to do it or just had kind of trouble thinking of like prompts or things to talk about. And so with the with the course, it's actually all about starting a journaling habit of solving those two problems of I don't know what to write about and I don't know when to do it. And so it's this equal parts uh, kind of teaching about uh, how what what do you write about in a journal? We talk about five different journaling methods and then also like how to build a journaling habit. So there's a little bit of a habit crash course in there. We talk about setting up your environment, giving yourself a cue, how to like set the routine in place and, you know, finally like celebrate a little bit with a, with a reward and uh, getting yourself to the point of like building the creative confidence that you can be, that you are a person who journals and even better. And I loved, I love this because I realized it in like some of the most rock solid habits that I've built 
is that you come to a place of confidence in that habit that even if you don't do it for a few days or even a few weeks, a few months, you can still start back up because you're like, oh, well, you know, I've done this before. I can start doing it again. And I also give you a few strategies on how to do that at any time with like small starts and tiny habits that are re- that are really effective for any habit that you want to do. We just focus on journaling for this one. Wonderful. Thanks, Matt, for joining us on the show today. If you're interested in checking out Matt's journaling course, there's a link in the show notes that's an affiliate link. So if you do decide to purchase it, it's at no extra cost to you going to support effective remote work as well as Matt's work. If you are also interested in learning more about analog productivity and the bullet journal, there's a link in the show notes to Matt's YouTube channel. Matt has fantastic down-to-earth productivity advice, and I highly recommend checking out what he has to say. That closes out today's episode of Remotely Working. Check out remotelyworking.net to subscribe. Give us feedback by messaging us on Twitter at Effective Remote or emailing us at hello at effectiveremotework.com. For more free resources designed for remote workers, head over to effectiveremotework.com. My name is Justin DeRose, and this has been Remotely Working.